It's me, Dan, from Harmontown. You can hear episodes of our show and 30 others before anyone else on TuneIn First Play. The TuneIn app is a free mobile audio app available across iOS, Android, and Windows. Podcast superfans get even more from their favorite shows. For four weeks, new episodes of Harmontown will be available a full 24 hours early, exclusively on TuneIn. Podcasts will release their new episodes early, including feral audio shows like Drinky Fun Time, Dome People Town, and Natural. Butte. Tune in is also full of content like live sports, news, music, and audiobooks. Get the next episode of Harmontown right now at the TuneIn app at tunein.com slash Harmontown. Also known as the executive buffet, also known as hands on the branch. I'm currently leaning forward right now, in sort of a post haste stress position that you would use on maybe a tally or a some sort of an insurgent type person. Um, clearly, I'm not stressed. Clearly, this is a relaxed position for me because I've just come down off an 11,500 foot ridge, which was crested. Uh, crested not effortlessly, but with no <clears throat> no negative effort expended, just sort of like a real positive vibration, a sort of shock wave as the as the airplane moves through that bow wave or bow wave that is the that is the sound barrier at the beach in San Diego where the people are watching as this F-14 shows off. It just blasts through and it creates this 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 just this reverberation shock wave that sends the people straight to their beers and straight to their cheers. And that's what I feel like I'm at right now, even though I'm in this uh, self-imposed stress position. So all that being said, I want to thank you for coming back to the podcast here, uh, here. Uh, but you want to make sure you check out um, Pickle and Peanut, the TV show that I do a voice for on the Disney XD network. It's a great show. If you like Ren and Stimpy, if you used to like Ren and Stimpy, <laughs> then you'll love it. I know it because I did and I do and I do and I, do, I still do. So please check it out. It premieres on September seventh on Disney XD. Watch it. I mean, uh, you know me. I don't promote stuff unless I genuinely think it's a great thing to do because there's been a lot of things I've been a part of and I don't really talk about them because it's like, well, it's either here nor there, it's either here nor care, it's either bear nor share, it's either stare nor bear. Care Bear, Sarah. But this is something different. I'm really proud of this, and I think it's incredibly funny and psychedelic and subversive, even though it is meant for, quote, children, unquote. It is not for children. Uh, I can't believe they're even able to make this, actually. So there's stuff in there that, that blows my dick off. Uh, so please watch that. Premiere September 7th, 9 p.m. in Disney. X, D, 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 D. Otherwise, please continue to check in 
on the podcast. Please rate and review. Please subscribe. Please tell your goddamn friends. If you don't have any friends, make some friends and get them into this 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 specialty this specialty product. Right now, right now you're in an audio deli, okay? And I'm serving up some very thin or thick. I can dial in my slicer to your needs to convex uh, Brinkman 649 and it can do any sort of slicing you you desire. I'll do that for you. And we'll ship it off to uh, David's house, and it's going to come to a direct, direct input audio deposit that you're just going to freak out about when you get it. And that's what we're doing here. This is a, this is an audio deli. So, that being said, um, please check the website johnnypemberton.com and see my stand-up comedy dates. There's lots of them available. Most of them are in Los Angeles or the areas around there. Uh, look out for possible. Tour styles happening in the in the Tennessee, Kentucky, Toronto, Ohio, Detroit areas in December, and before that is going to happen, I'll be with a person named Duncan Trussell in Australia and a bit of touch of New Zealand in early first part of November. Okay. So go see that. Check it out. Definitely get down in there. It's going to be real good. Just pull it up and drop it off and let it go in. Just pull on right up there, okay? And otherwise, uh, please enjoy this podcast. It's mainly the live recording, live to tape with Duncan Trussell. I just mentioned his name. He's actually going to be here right now. Not here, not here right now with me. I'm just as a, This is the pre-intro telling you about how you should rate and review, subscribe, and also fucking donate and buy shit through our Amazon portal. That's a real thing, okay? You just click on that. You go to Twisting the Wind the website page uh, through the Feral Audio website. It's a subsidiary of Feral Audio, Twisting the Wind is. And then you click on Shop on Amazon. You buy the things you want and some of the things you need, and we get a little piece of that, and that really helps out. Well, you gotta do it. You gotta do it. You gotta do it. Because if Tommy takes responsibility to be the godfather, I know how he is, and he take, he'll take the responsibility serious. So if something happens to me, I know my baby will be taken care of. I won't have to worry about it. I know my baby will be taken care of. Do 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 Hey guys. How you sound there, honey? I sound good. Let's see, I'm gonna just tweak you out, make sure you're hot and ready. Hot and ready to go. Show me the way to Cinnamon Road. Show hot and ready to go. Show me the way to Cinnamon Road. His treasure trail's five miles long, long as he is wide. Paul Bunyan's got a treasure trail that leads to a long. Show me the way to Cinnamon Road. I got a baby, I got a boy. It is and a little hot tub tucky, and your name is McVoy. What's up? As one of the interesting and one of my favorite, yet somehow least explored aspects of Appalachian mythology and culture right. is... Uh, there's so many wonderful stories about Paul Bunyan, uh, but interestingly enough, that's true. Phallus is overlooked in every single one of these stories, and it's got to be just—I mean, it's gigantic. It's a Paul Bunyan dick. It—it it, it is something that, again and again, now in and and 
Warren Wilson College, where I went to school, I actually What's got it called a again? Warren Wilson College. Warren, Warren Wilson. In Swannanoa, North Carolina, I received a doctorate in Paul Bunyan studies. Oh. And this is the uh, least explored and also the most controversial aspect of the mythology to the point where some Paul Bunyan scholars... Is in, there a name for a Paul Bunyan scholar, like a Bunyanist or a... A Bunyographer. A Bunyographer, okay. But the up until this point... Uh, you the the guys who are really getting deep into the the bunyography uh, the bunya well specifically is f- the phallus of Paul Bunyan. Uh, they've been disappearing lately, which You're is serious. Anytime anybody comes out and starts uh-huh. telling the untold stories, right? And there's about fifteen. 15 untold stories uh, that are all based around his uh, penis his foul and shaft right. and uh, balls well because when it's that big you have to differentiate between the different zones of it because if you're talking about just the penis you're you know you're um, throwing out the baby with the bathwater so to, so to speak you're well you're just not you're not going to cover the entire penis if well, you just call it a penis you've got to go into the it's like talking about the earth as one climate you know, or right there's always if there's canyons and valleys and and mountains and yep. streams and such is the topography of the. Yeah, penis. you don't say it's an. You don't say it's the earth when you're mentioning the earth. You say the ball with the many canyons and streams and valleys. Well, you do, but that would be it's kind of reductive. You know, you want to talk about that whole, the whole thing, depending on what you're talking about. Well, see, I I subscribe to a different theory of, of bunyanology in terms of the phallus, where it has to do with microclimates. Bunyography. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay, man. <laughs> Sorry. You didn't... I went to school for it, and it, it is... A no, lot. I just tell you on my own. I'm a self-taught. People are going to do... Bun, people call it bunyology. It's a starter term for it, but it is a... It's bunyography, technically, of the uh, eastern mountainous region of the United See, States. See, the thing about me is I thought that Paul Bunyan was uh, from Minnesota. Because <laughs> he is. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, I used to, too, man. That was one of the... That's when... When I so my first Bunyan class is that the is that the great great myth number one? That's actually myth number three. Really? Yeah. the 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 great myth number one is that Paul Bunyan was human. Oh. Uh. Yeah. That's great. He's myth. a Titan, right? Well, technically, he is of the Titan class, right? But he's uh, actually a, a chameleon dinosaur descendant. I thought he was a scorch master. Well, the name of the so okay right. right now we're now you're there. He's a scorch master. He okay, so that he's a descendant of the scorch master, right. which was uh, one of the dinosaurs that unfortunately uh, died in that quicksand die-off that happened when the uh, quantum or the the magnetic poles shifted, mm-hmm. and yeah. the entire toposphere of the ball with the canyons and valleys and streams. Liquefied, and mm-hmm. uh, we lost uh, the Scorch Masters, which isn't a bad thing. Well, yeah, because I, as, as I know, those Scorch Masters, they're terrible. They're they're poisonous fire. So yeah, that's what's interesting. The so their fire was poisonous. Like right. these days, we don't even have it. I guess the closest you have is radiation. Right. Radio is poisonous fire. But yeah, they 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 had a just basic. Their fire was uh, poisonous. You got burnt by that stuff, and you're gonna get. Uh, it's going to break out. And it's going to liquefy your dick. Yeah. Partially. These Scorch Masters. Now, when we're talking about these Scorch Masters, are we, uh, this is the first epoch? This is the third epoch of the fourth trimillennium. You say epoch? It's epoch. Say, I always sure. say epic. 
Or ape, ep, apoc. Trivia, ape. Tupac Shakur is named after the apoc. Oh, really? Two, yeah. Oh, he's supposed to be, I get it, Tupac, like the second epoch. Yeah. The second apoc. Tupac. Yep. That's it. Yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, a lot of people are not aware of the fact that he was a scholar of the great shift. Who, Shupac Takur? <laughs> yeah. That's his real name. Yeah. Yeah, that's what no one knows, is he fought his entire life to have spoonerism, spoonerisms legitimized. Thank God. Somebody's yeah. got to do it. And they're vanishing, too. You know, this is the thing guys look into at Operation Jade Helm, September 11th. Uh, you're not right. going to find a lot of, like, science. Right now, uh, there are a lot of scientists, bacteriologists, right, immunologists, right, right, chiropractors, right, 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 right. apologists, uh-huh. and bunyographers uh-huh. who are yeah. vanishing. Uh-huh. Uh, like uh-huh. 16 a day. Yeah. 16 a day. Uh-huh. <sighs> Shit, dogs in a dynamite field. That's what I call that. <laughs> Not, ah. No better term for it. No other radar, because the National Oceanic, Oce- National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration has always been so above board that um, that brings me back around to uh, the talk about your workout schedule. Um, Duncan Trussell, uh, welcome to Twisting the Wind. Thank you. I have Duncan Trussell on the podcast. Good Duncan day Trussell. to you, friends. A Good. Salute to your parents. <laughs> salute to your house. Salute to your life. I salute your house and I salute your lineage. <laughs> I salute your ancestors and I salute their ancestors all the way back to that sweet burst of blast we call that big old bang. That little monkey baby. I uh, also salute your house. Monkey I salute your, baby. I salute your shoes. I salute your... Uh, monkey baby. Monkey baby. Monkey baby. I want to suck your drool. Do you know that uh, that awesome old kid's lullaby little... Monkey baby bouncing on the hmm. raft. I kind of have an inkling of it, but maybe you could uh, remind us all. Well, this is an uh, in, in old Irish folklore that children thought that if you said this five times in a row in front of a right. mirror darkened with the, the blood Irish. of your uncle, <laughs> uh, that you would uh, a monkey baby would appear and bring you a chunk of gold in exchange for one of your pets or a catalog. That was that's a where, gold catalog, right? That was the whole thing. Where you that, could order gold from, or just yeah, he could you can indulge in the idea of it happening for you one day. But do you want to hear how the how the poem goes? Love to hear it. There's a little monkey baby a bouncing on the raft. A little monkey baby. He looks like a giraffe. His lips are made of iron. His eyes are made of steel. His heart is made of blackened blood that monkey cannot feel. It lives beneath the earth where the fire and flames do flicker. And if you climb down there, that monkey, you'll hear him snicker. He laughs at all the souls ignited by the fire. He loves to hear them burning there upon the funeral pyre. There's nothing that makes the monkey happier than the sounds of bones a-crunching. That's why when monkey baby comes, you ought to go a-running. Oh, I love it. That's such a great one. I love that first verse is great. I just I think I, that hearing that reminds me of the second verse of the monkey baby, the Irish one. Um, follow down the stairs and you will be. Besp- <laughs> follow down no, no, the no, no, Follow down the stairs and you will be bespoken. No, it's it's besmirched. No, besmirched, this is it. Right. Lurch, 
Lurch, birch, stand back, besmirch. I have a candle, I have a turch. You are the one within this drum. I stand, I smack, I clip, I run. I intoneth, intone thy name. In spoke in Spanish, in spoke in Spain. The grains they go against my isles. The house that falls inside the mouse. The chirp, the chatter, the clunk, the clatter. The splash, the spunk, the run, the rather. You come inside and wish you had. And for fun flunt, you stunk the bar. The bane stains the ways from against the cocktail trays. Mm. You've come back inside it, and the monkey baby stays. Bathes. Yeah. It's all, I mean, it's all that Gaelic stuff. It's so hard to say that. It's so hard to say it in the actual dialect. It's very yeah. hard to yeah. say. Oh, to hear that. It's spoken at a high mass or at a plague funeral oh i love a good plague funeral i don't and when the bagpipes set in and they bring out those trays of liver we want to sing that together the plague one of the plague He's living in between the worlds. He can go to surface. He's living in between the worlds. He's trying to come and hurt us. He's a magic devil man with spikes on his hands. His thumbs stick straight up and they'll pierce through the lands. He'll take mm. all your plans. He'll take all your mothers. Yes. He'll take all the daughters and he'll steal all the brothers. Mm. He'll make sweet love in the secondary anus. Yes. He'll plug it so deep that you can rearrange it. Oh, try to drain it out. The man, he goes asunder. He's subterranean Jimmy Job is coming for the plunder. He'll steal everything yes. you have and take it all under. Oh, 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 you dry off the baby and lick him for the thunder. God, every time I hear that, I tear oh, up. It's just such like a, it's just something where it's like, um, it's so raw. Oh, it's the, 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 the watering of the graves, the, you the, know. Because the, the Spike Man, he's someone who just... You know, to be to be living in that time period when you're th- every day you're thinking about you you don't well, know that's not I, true. I, I'm, I I would imagine a, a small percentage of your listeners probably uh, don't know this who the Spike Man is. No, so they don't in know. Uh, Celtic uh, Orthodox Gaelic as well and Gaelic uh, methodology, mm-hmm. the Spike Man. So back in these days, uh, and because of a either because of a no one's really quite sure what it was, but. More than likely, uh-huh. it was because of the peat bogs and the right. a, a specific fungus that was growing there. Very powerful. When a person would die, mm. their body would be placed in a classic coffin. Uh, but because of this fungus, uh, it was quite common to go walking among the graves. And, and if you walked in the rain, 
And they call this watering Which the graves. It's kind of hard to not walk in the rain <laughs> out there. Yeah. Because it's always wet. It's but that, they, that, that was called watering the graves. Right. So that was called, you know, the tears of water in the graves of right. a lady. And this uh, apparently interacted with a fungus that had gotten into these, the corpses, and they'd start a rattling. Yep. It's called a thorkin. A thorkin. A thorkin snatch. And that's the sound. That is the sound of the rattle of the corpse upon the tide. And the th- and so they would dig into that thing. Uh-huh. That, so the, anyway, the spike man right. is the guy whose job it was. When one of these uh, coffins would go, a thorkin, you'd have to dig in again. And dig that secondary anus. And get into that thing. And then you'd have to put a spike in it. Right. And that would stop the rattling. And I would, the spike had to go right the, right above the anus in the sacral vertebra. That's right. To that, somehow, because I think what scientists have figured out since, and this is all cryptozoology and no one will acknowledge it, but um, they say that these uh, this fungus, the thorkin fungus, what it did, because, you know, as we know, mycelia, fungus, fungal mycelia is basically a mimic of the human brain neural network. Yes. What it did is it would bury, bury it would bury, it would dig into those um, those graves and it would uh it would uh go through the body and it would attach to the spinal cord and it would it's basically reanimating the body for purposes of proliferating its own yeah, fungal it gets, spores. It, 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 yeah, it shakes the spores off. That's what a zombie is. It's just it's just a fungal infected human. That's, that's what been, Sam Harris says. Right. Oh, really? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, cuz that would make sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. I mean, that's what we are, right? We're just we're just fungus, essentially just fungus to some to some extent. We're eighty percent fungus and ten percent stone. Mm-hmm. And, and then I think we're the also ten percent uh, is gravy. No, I think it's five percent gravy, two percent uh, anthracite, and eight uh, percent um, hominid. I'm going to respectfully disagree with you there. I'm, I'm, well, you know what? I think it's ten percent gravy. You go home tonight. You hold a magnet up to you your go heart. Home tonight. No, you go home tonight. I didn't know this was going to be this kind of interview. No, so you you're go doing home. A, what are you doing? An attack interview now? You. Oh, go what home. is this? Okay. What am I? What am you I? Go what home am tonight. I? Ann Culture. Yeah, you sound like Ann Coulter right now. You go it's home Ann tonight. Culture. Well, Ann you just culture. told me to go home. When you go home tonight and you put the magnet up to your skin, does it stick or not? It does not stick. You're lying. It There's does no not per- stick to my no, skin. No person in a thousand years has not. All had- right, man. You tell me when you do your home magnet therapy at night, it's different. You're than- gonna fucking do this on a live it's man- podcast, Duncan. It's mandated. Magnet therapy has been mandated I by the government. Goddamn, ever have a magnet stick to me, man? I went to the Reagan challenge when I was in gym class in the third grade, and every kid should be able to hold a magnet to his skin, and it should stay there. And I was the only kid in gym class. The magnet would fall off. Everybody laughed. Everyone made fun of me. I had to do push-ups, and the idea I, I never stuck, man. Duncan, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't so realize. So sorry that look, I'm no, look, sorry. I, no, I'm sorry. Why don't, we, I, why don't we make fun of my other disabilities? Hey, I'm sorry for bringing it up. I honestly didn't know. I thought you were trying to create be controversial by saying you didn't i'm i guess that's the thing that people don't I, magnet shame me you man. know what i'm not magnet shaming it's you so it's my own myopic prejudice that it's brought yeah, me here it really is yeah man. it is it's like um, at least six percent of the population when you put a magnet against them it falls to the ground it's actually more like a point two but Okay, that's a very fucking, very arguable statistic, by the way. And that you number changes every day. And I believe the, uh, the old saying is the... All right, here we go. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. 
Oh, come on. The man Not who strikes inside the circle of his own hoop is the one who finds the circle broken. Oh, God. Every magnet shamer says that. Mm -hmm. It's such shit. Well, you know, it's not such shit. It's such truth, okay? Samuel, Man. chapter 2, verse six. 6. The life inside the man of the fungus is a thorkin blasted forth from under the skin of the man who stands back within it. We are all... You're a fucking dick. Jesus wept. Did Jesus weep? You know, some people say that Jesus wept. Uh, those are false tears. You know about this? Because he knew he was going to raise up Lazarus. Wait. So he was, can he was we creating talk, a show. Can we, hold on. Let me just hold the fucking jibber jabber on this bullshit yap fest we're having here. Can I say something really quick? Go ahead. Here's what I realized last Flap night. Flap those babies. Last night, this is what I realized. And I said it to... Cora, I, I actually, right. she was falling asleep, and I think I woke her up to tell her this, because I realized <laughs> right, this. Right, right, right. Jesus never got old. Jesus never had to bury his mother. Jesus never had to take care of his parents getting old. He didn't. Jesus never had to, so I was thinking, the crucifixion is supposed to be this brutal thing that happened to Jesus. But, but what's, quick. what's more brutal? <laughs> Getting old. Yeah. So then you realize that son of a bitch ducked out of the fucking casino before he really had to experience what it is to be a human being. And everybody's like, oh, he's the thing with no sin. Okay, hold on. Right. He never had to goddamn uh, take care of his fucking... He never had to change his 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 mom's diapers or, or deal with her like forgetting things. Yeah. Or just like annoying him How come constantly? no one talks about that? Like he... So it's like, okay... So yeah. the entire world, so 35. it consists of all these people with locked-in syndrome, uh, Crohn's disease, late-stage lymphomas, Alzheimer's. All kinds of Alzheimer's, all these slow degenerative diseases. Lou Gehrig's, and, and it's MS. like, if you sit down with someone who's got like MS, yeah. or, or if you sat down with somebody who's got like, I don't know about MS, because I think that those people- Lupus. Lou, or someone who's just got some chronic, let's say- cluster headaches or you know something like the the, the suicide headaches or yeah. you sit down with somebody like that who's like it's tedious five inches from taking a, a gun and blowing their brains out and you say listen would you prefer to be crucified because we could do that right i think a fair amount of them might be like you know what just fucking crucify me i'll take that over the cluster headaches so when you consider the fact right that jesus 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 dies mm-hmm Never having to have a shitty kid. Uh-huh. No crappy, oily teenage son who's like, shut the fuck up, dad. Would you stop healing people? Never had to deal with joint pain. Never had to deal with joint pain. Never had Insomnia. To, insomnia. Never had to deal with like a regretful business deal. Never, had to, Never had to call Time Warner. Never had to fucking- uh, E.D. See the inevitable goddamn Instagram photo of an ex-girlfriend on a hike in Griffith Park with That's a on drummer. You. That's on you. That's on you. Jesus would say that's on you, baby. Anyway, my point is this. He, he never seeks the occasion of sin <laughs> shall drink from the barrel it was fermented in. I guarantee he <laughs> would have said baby all the time, too. But yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? When you realize that Jesus really did kind of get to slip out of the theater. Uh, he with, did. Or in the middle of the show. Yeah. And, and the price he paid was a flogging and a crucifixion. And up until that point, he got to wander around with his pals. And everyone's like, holy shit, you're amazing. That guy had a pretty good life. 
so I think it's where's I want the I want to you know who I want the fucking Messiah to be I want the Messiah to be somebody in their mid 60s who was found six days after their death by their downstairs neighbor and they couldn't remember their name that's that's a suffering person (laughs) what about that person those are the real messiahs if you ask me, so you're just giving up on Jesus now because of this? It was really I had a dark really? night of the soul last night because really because as I was laying. Oh, this is also you said you had extreme paranoia night as well. Yes, so this maybe have been a part. This of is it. part of me stopping <laughs> marijuana for two weeks. But as I'm as I'm yeah. la- as I'm laying there, and then I realized because I've always loved Jesus, and I've always had this like great feeling of love for Jesus. And I've always thought, oh, what he went through. And then I'm like, wait, man. Yeah. He's, he never had to deal with male pattern baldness. He never had to deal with like. He kind of is balding a lot of pictures though. You know, they do. He is depicted as having a bit of a receding hairline often. Well, I mean, it's up in the air, but oh, that's an interesting thing. Oh, really? So you can heal leprosy, but you can't make your hair grow back? Well, I would say that, I mean, I'm going to play devil. I'm going to play Jesus's advocate (laughs) here and just say that, uh, well, you know, I think Jesus, uh, what Jesus was interested in, um, he wasn't concerned with that. I think he was willing to be whatever people saw him as. He's like, he's like the color red if you're colorblind. You so, know? Did, so if like I went to Jesus, you went to him. If he was around today, yeah. Did he only? Was there like a certain number of diseases that he would cure, and then some he wouldn't? Well, you know, I think I, I don't know. I kind of have a different opinion of Jesus now after reading that Reza like Oslo book. Guess I'm not talking about Reza Aslan's fucking historic I'm not even mythological Jesus. Of course, there's no real fucking guy who's like he. I'm saying the mythological Jesus, right? The mythological Reza Jesus. Aslan's Jesus is whatever. Who it's cares? Great. It's just another approach. It tried and it, 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 well, no, I could, did you read it? Of course, I read it, and I got it was an, good. I thought it was great, and then I got annoyed because Why? I realized, oh, this is just another goddamn. Missing the point where it's like, let's find the factual historian. But he genius. wasn't though. He, that's not what he was. Well, yeah, he was. I don't think he was. He, he was, wasn't. Yes. You think he's trying to take it down and to make it? Seem no, like- I don't think he was trying to do anything like that. I think he was just doing the. Okay, so there's a very there's it's a genre, right? And the genre is the historic Jesus, right? And that's a that's a bookseller, right? It sells books because it's controversial. It's a, a, we're looking at him in a way that it hasn't been looked at before, but due to new evidence or a comp- compilation of said such evidence. You want to hear a crazy story? Bef- just not, because the car <sighs> horns beeping and people. You can know pray what? Here. But let it. Okay, I want to tell you this crazy. You know what? Go ahead. So once, a very long time ago, we were shooting this sketch with the grandson of Jesus, of the founder <laughs> of the Church of Satan. Okay. And um, this guy is a, a Satanist, and we were using him in the sketch. Very, very nice guy. Right. And uh, but in the midst of, in this sketch, we were whatever we were doing, we were in, invoking. Um, some powerful stuff. The demon, I can't remember which. We are invoking some demonic force, right? And in the middle of doing it, right as we are doing it, the power went out in the building, and a car horn started beeping out. There. Jesus and Christ! It was so spooky. That's terrible. Ooh, it gave us the heebie-jeebies. So you're trying to say that maybe uh, that that's real. I, I'm saying that we just reached enough maximum blasphemy right. that it caused a car, a car horn to go. Oh, just up. now. Yeah. Jesus is like, Hey guys, watch it. I like that book, but I don't like it that much. No, I think the historic Jesus genre is not only redundant, but 
and I was into that Reza Aslan book, and I did talk about how cool it was. Right. And, and I like his writing style, and I particularly yeah. like his description of what Judaism looked like back then. Well, to me, that was all new stuff. I don't know that much. I don't I know nearly know as much. Either. But you know a lot more about the Bible than I do. Right? I know. I took a class in the New Testament, yeah. and I got a minor in religious studies right. at my college. So I, I, I just used to fuck off in the back of church at Catholic school, so I that's different. I had a great teacher who was really good at teaching the Gospels and a, a very non-denominational, right. very non-biased, non-ethical, non-moral way, just explaining like, you know, here's what it is, here's yeah. the language it's written in, here's how many there are, and here's why that there's certain things in some of them and certain and why stories. they say things the way they say them. Fascinating. Yeah. It's fascinating. Uh, and, and I loved it. And I right. love the way that she like humanized it. Um, but. Uh, it's fucking cool. But. No. But. There's no but. I, well, there's a but though. But I want to hear the but. I well, want to hear the but. Well, I'm just saying, like, so the the historic Jesus genre right. doesn't interest me because I'm interested in the mythological Jesus. Right. I'm interested in the archetypical Jesus. I'm interested in the Jesus of of legend, not the Jesus of uh, whether the whole thing where like there was a Jesus. There right. was a. I don't. Who fucking cares? I'm not talking. That's that means nothing to me. Right. I don't care. So it, it doesn't matter. I mean, in a way, it's like the the Jesus that exists. The, myth, the mythological Jesus is essentially the Jesus that was created by the gospel, not really the Jesus, the, not really the historical Jesus, because that's what that's what he talked. Aslan talks about why it's so was such a successful religion is because it allowed people to make the religion in their own image because Jesus was like this sort of a, he's like a, not an every man, but it's sort of a, this sort of template with which you could apply to your own culture because of the way, because of him being like man and him being of both God. So that's, that's what he attributes to the success of Christianity. A big well, part of that. People, but it's like that. The, the, so that's the, the interpretation organized of the mythology. Yeah. construction of a religion, the concept of that. The group of people sat around and put this story together to me is, I think, a little optimistic that it works like that. I don't think it works. I don't think we know how it works. I think it's... No. But that's the mystery, right? You have all these that's tributaries the rolling into this myth and the tributaries, all these rivers rolling in from other, from yeah. Egyptian mythology, from... Gnostic, uh, right. Relig- you have all these interesting inlets that form this mythological character. There really is just a file cabinet filled with the, uh, most cutting edge sociological information at the time. Right. And so that is badass. That's the fuel. That's the fuel. So it, in, in the story itself, uh, because it's been told so many times, mm-hmm. just based on what we understand from epigenetics, this is a thing that is this story is is become or if you is becoming coded in, right in the, exactly in the DNA the repetition of it yes. makes it real yeah yeah it, so 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 it, the story lives inside possibly maybe possibly if 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 phobias get passed down from at least right. two generations as we're beginning to discover now then myths get passed down right. in the same way and if that's the case then there really is a living conduit that points in the direction of these symbol structures that represent how to optimize your life in a way that's going to make you uh, a a healer. Right. To have the kingdom of heaven on earth. Yeah. That's what always gets me about... um, I feel like there's been a a resurgence, or not a resurgence, maybe just like a more... It's more popular to be an atheist and to be a a doomer. 
Mm. Like it's it's everywhere now. I feel like I feel like uh, I was ahead of the trend to some extent a couple years ago. What but being now, a doomer atheist? Yeah, not being so much an atheist, but a doomer. There's always people now who are writing stuff about that about just the doom at hand uh, because of all the because they're waking up to see all the different aspects of uh like globalism and how it's changed things but the, the, it's such a it's such a like a narrow mindset the rapidly I feel like. accelerating ice cap melt i think it's i don't think right. it, I, I think what it is is uh, uh and i i would love to i sometimes i theorize that the obsession with the apocalypse right eschatology uh is uh a direct result of being unable to digest the fact that you're going to die yeah because the 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 reality is ice cap melting ice cap not melting Mm -hmm. ufo comes down full of a forgiving super advanced alien race (laughs) gazes down upon the planet and shoots a beam of healing on the planet that makes time time dissolves everything grows back Right. All the forests grow back. The ice caps are back. The pl- shit. You know, what I was thinking. I that- think it'll just unzip everything. It'll unzip time. Time will become a uh, just a direction. I was thinking uh, the other day right. how if an alien shrank us down, everything, every human on the planet, and yeah. every living organism on the planet shrunk us down by fifty percent. Oh, it would change everything. We'd have so much more room. I used to have a joke about that, the opposite. How cool would it be if spiders, all the spiders in the world, were just twice as big? <laughs> <laughs> How fucking cool it would be. It's like a spider the size of a soccer ball rolling through. Like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> like a Corvette of spiders just yeah. rolling through your fucking neighborhood. Like, yeah. Oh, shit. People would, people, we'd, be, we'd be dumb for. And you could finally hear what they sound like, like what noises yeah. they make if there are any noises oh, they make. Oh, God, it'd be so badass. Like their chirp or their, their like shrill. Like, you know what? Oh God, that's the big one. That's the basketball size one. <laughs> oh, it's like some sort of infrasound where you just feel it. It's like, where it sounds like a Hammond organ. It's like the fucking mist. <laughs> Remember that movie, yeah. The Mist? Uh, I love that. Yeah, but the point is, if like, if if we fix all the ecological problems right. outside of the equal ecological problem of our own aging process, then. You're still going to have to deal with the fact that the world's going to end. Like right. every single person has to come to terms with the fact that they are living at the v- end of days. Life is a problem. The subjective end of days has come for all human beings. Well, it's because it's this thing where humans are like people, people worry about, uh, okay, Iran getting a nuclear weapon, right? Or they worry about space wars. They worry about all this stuff. But um, humans are, everything happens because if humans, we're selfish. We're like we're programmed to procreate and keep going. Everything we do that's good or bad, it's all in the name of continuing the gene because the gene's so fucking hungry. And what's uh, they call it, a selfish gene or something to that effect. And the fact that uh, all that nuclear pl- proliferation didn't happen, like the Earth wasn't destroyed in the sixties when it could have, I think is testament to the fact that as terrible as people are, they still are extremely selfish to the point where. They will find a way to persist in the face of yes. stuff that could destroy them. Because even though it's possible for the Earth to be destroyed by nuclear weapons, it hasn't. Even though it could have been, it could have happened for going on for forty years now, but it hasn't because people, the the gene knows that that will fucking it'll wipe us out, so it won't allow it. Yeah, 
It just won't happen. Well, yeah. I mean, that's some wishful thinking, but I don't think it's wishful thinking. I think it's like a thing where it's just, it's just something will, something will, it'll persist no matter what. There, no, you know, the history of the planet is one of extinction, right? But it's not so much of, of extinction, but of change, like massive change. But but many extinctions, right? And it's happening. Many die-offs. Many. I just don't think we're gonna go. I don't think we're gonna be humans. Yeah, I don't think we're gonna be become extinct. I think I'm gonna become extinct, and you're gonna become extinct. Yeah, we will. Hopefully, in the same day. <laughs> I, I I can guarantee That'll that. That'll be brother. cool, man. But 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 the 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 um. The whole, it's fun to, it's, it's a really fun thing to pr- imagine this idea that mm-hmm. the, all, the sum total of all organic life on the planet right. is an eternal being. Oh, it is. An yeah. immortal being. And the immortal being has all these varying segments and forms that are composed of all the different species and subspecies. Just- and so this is an immortal being that is constantly, uh, uh, changing, transforming, molting, molting, growing, new appendages, vibrating, vibrating, and becoming uh, m- more apt at uh, manipulating its environment in right. very specific ways. So when you look at that, that you and I and every human being and every living thing and every organism on this planet and every tree and every plant is actually all part of this Same one thing, right? eternal, um, not eternal, but you could say a very old being yeah. that is constantly... Well, it is eternal, you know, because it, it, it goes back to that thing you're talking about, the quantum idea of it. It's like, at what point, where do you where do you discern, like, when, when does something start, when does something end? You can't really make draw a line at some point, you know? Well, I mean, it, well, the problem is we don't... To say it's eternal would would be to say that I know how this planet gave birth to life. Right. And we don't know that. But I mean, like in terms of what is life? Well, in this case, I think I'm differentiating inorganic. Right. Matter. Well, that's what I keep thinking about because people talk about the I, the domination of AI and how we'll be wiped out by by advanced robots and computers and things that we've created. But I feel like to some extent robots are just, they're just, uh, just a different form of life, right? They're like, what's to say they're not alive? We're robots. Yeah. We're, we're computers. We're just computers. We have nanobots. I, I ate a, I ate a fucking bucket of nanobots today. I ate some yogurt. Yeah. Nanobots. I just ate, I just ate 3 billion nanobots. Exactly. Yeah. We're just another technology. Yeah. Just a different type of technology. Yeah. And, 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 and we're a technology that gets created out of the, by the, uh, the, the, the forge of infinity. Right. Quintillions of years. Have you ever read, um, that incredible weird poem? I sing the body electric. Have you ever heard of that? Oh, I think I've heard that. Hold on. Let me just find it. It sounds like a Bruce Hack song. No, it goes like this. Hold on. It goes, listen, let me just find this for you. It's really fucking cool. I think cool. he wrote a song about let that. Let me find this. Look, listen, uh, I'll just read this one. It's, a, you know, I don't understand exactly what it means, uh, but it's by Walt Whitman. And, uh, you know, he's a. He did a good job. He did a great job. He was probably an alien. Do you think he was an alien? I think Mark Twain was definitely an alien. I really, I honestly do. I think he was uh, some sort of an alien time life traveler. form. Not a time traveler so much as like this being that was sort of a. Uh, Shot down from maybe maybe time traveler maybe some sort of a like a time missile that we sent ourselves to teach us sort of like a like a teaching like a like a cone of sorts like he he comes here for a little while he lives and he do, he changes everything and after he's gone it's an like, avatar 
Something, yeah, some sort of some sort of force that uh, Vishnu. Whatever the opposite of a vector is, instead of going through and leaving nothing and adding, taking and only only uh, <laughs> and only not leaving anything, he's the opposite. He just left everything and then he goes. Um, check this out, gentlemen. Look at this wonder. Whatever the bids of the bidders, they cannot be high enough for it. For it, the globe lay preparing quintillions of years without one animal or plant. For it, the revolving cycles truly and steadily rolled. It's talking about human beings. Right. But it's just this incredible, you know, they, yeah. They, so, so, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, 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 uh, and, and, and what, what you're talking about, Mark Twain is cool. Right. But this is something Crowley talks about, which he points out. It's not, I'm sure he's not the only one who pointed this yeah. out, but he points out that of all the species, uh, humans are the only one that creates these super examples of itself. Right. As far as we're aware. So you, so you get these super examples of a human right. and that's the Muhammad's, the Jesus's, the Mark Twain's. Yeah. Generally, it's considered to be the people who are the founders of the great world religions who create these, uh, shock waves, like paradigm, sociological shock waves that go moving out into whatever the particular cultural paradigm is over a certain amount of years right. and completely shifts and warps the way that the human behaves. Right. It's interesting, the super animal. And yeah. that's a really fascinating thing. It is. Yeah. But I, I mean, that's, that is a thing that makes humans unique. But I, w- I keep thinking about this thing. I feel like I have, keep having these nanobot epiphanies. Like I'll go running and I'll be like listening to Philip Glass or something and thinking about just sort of like the scale of things or just sort of the uh, the idea that uh, so much of – like people who are vegans, right? You're, a lot of people who are vegans because they feel like they don't want to eat something with a face or eat something that has – right. They don't want to eat something that's like them. Right. And I've, there's so many things in humankind and hu- – what we talk about and think about that are, if you break it down, it's really, it's inherently selfish. It's a thing where it's like even, even, uh, thinking there's going to be an apocalypse is selfish because it has to, it presupposes that you will be alive at the most important time in history. That you, it's going to happen for you. It's going to be the worst for you. Like, and so there's that. So you don't, you know, like that it's, it's a, for some weird reason. Yeah. There's something more comforting. If we all die together. Right, because it's out of your control. It's like, I couldn't do anything about it. It was just this big event, and I was just part of this uh, this way. I got swept up in the wave of time. And and it's like, here the, the reality is, it, it, we all die. Mm-hmm. Everyone dies. That, that, that every single human will die. It's the price for being on this planet is death. So it's like you, there is an apocalypse. It's just not timed out right. in the way people would like it timed out. It's, it's, it's an apocalypse that's more like a relay race than it is, uh, uh, everyone yeah. <laughs> crossing the finish line at once. Yeah. It's definitely a relay race. Yeah. But it's that, it's that selfishness. It's like it's a bridge of skulls, brother, that we walk into the future on and the skulls are our ancestors. Mm-hmm. That's Taylor de Chardon. It's a, it's a, all species walk into the future on a bridge made of the bones of their dead. And uh-huh. that's true. It is. Yeah. <laughs> like the people get up, up in arms about, oh, this was a bear. You're built on a burial site. Like, Everything is a burial site. Yeah. There's not a single non-burial site. It doesn't exist. Yeah. For show me a place that hasn't been a burial site for something, or at least for something that's been deemed important. Like the, that's what always gets me is the things that 
have been deemed and certain things get deemed important and special because of for no real reason, all because of the the selfishness or the the myopic. Because you're thinking about how is this, how similar this is to your own understanding of the world, where like a like a, I mean, I keep going back to the thing about robots because I keep thinking about like I feel like I've had an epiphany recently thinking about how like when robots we'll, we'll probably live to see robots and AI be so lifelike that it's it's stunning. They will pass the Turing right. test by 2025. And when that happens, there's going to be a lot of people who hate these things, but you have to be it's you have to be respectful to something just because just because you it's You ain't going to be able to hate it. I won't be able to hate it. I'll probably love it. No, but. I don't think I think that that see the, the problem is like one of the qualities of intelligence. It's really fun to think about super intelligence. Yeah. But the way you think about super intelligence is by thinking of the way the majority of socially intelligent people function. Like think about somebody you know who is very successful and uh, the way that they function is uh, through um, uh, in society. Right. And what, I've noticed that people who are quite successful when I get around them. They give me the feeling that they're my best friend. Right. They give me the feeling. It's called the Hugh Jackman effect. The Hugh Jackman. <laughs> you get around them and they're so profoundly interested in what you have to yeah. say, even though you've just met them. They give you the feeling that you, they're, they, they're it's listening. It's respect. It's pure respect. It's like a very. Pure respect. But right. they're listening to you in a way as though you're someone who might change their life uh -huh. in that moment. Right. They and they're not they're not bullshitting you either. Yeah. They've just managed to just genuinely look at everything that comes into their 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 direct experience as a as a, a messenger from God or right. something. They love you. They think you're amazing. They're not even doing it as a manipulation because if they were doing it as a manipulation, it would inhibit. It would feel bad. Their ability to manipulate. Right. That's the paradox. Is they've overcome the thing itself. Yeah. So now they're just fully engaged in and being with you. Right. And you realize this is how you are with every person. And you realize everyone walks away from you with a feeling that I've just met my new best friend. Uh -huh. And it's just not the case. Right. Because not everyone can be your best friend. <laughs> but because of that effect, you end up getting stuff because people want to give you things because they think of you as their best friend. So that's what a super intelligent, socially a social genius is I'm like, say that from my apprehension. And AI is going to be like that. Times a trillion. Right. You know, so it's gonna be yeah. endlessly charismatic and endlessly imitative and mm -hmm. endlessly able to mirror you and right. not just to mirror you in the way that like an expert at sales mirrors a person, but they will mirror you based on very specific yeah. biometric patterns emerging from your eye dilation, your right. exhalation, the pheromones you're secreting. I know They'll, what you're talking about right now. What? I know what you're talking about. They're going to. You're talking about a fuck bot. Oh, that's well. Yeah, that's <laughs> essentially, in some sense, that's what it is. It's it's it, well. It, yeah, it's not just a fuck bot. I mean, it's it's it, a, it's 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 the manifestation of anything that you want right. at that moment, and and it will. So the so the idea of these things, you know, that they're the way they're going to take it, the way that they're going to 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 destroy us. It's not with guns. It's not good with guns <laughs> through breaking our hearts. Right. <laughs> well, because they're, they're, they're the next level. Because we created them. So they have a human soul, essentially, because they're, they're human. Humans, to some extent, are they guided the creation of these things. So 
it's just us. It's just a new version of people in a way. It's just this new thing. It's just not. It's not a. Bio, it's not a biological life form. It's the only difference. Well, you could say okay. So we I don't ha- think it's not life. I just that's what gets me is when people act like life has to be biological. It has to be carbon based, which is so. It's right. so my. It's so uh, selfish to think about only something that's like your experience of the world can be uh, significant and meaningful. Okay. Right. So, yeah. so, okay. Think of, okay. Prior. Okay. So you're an early, early human and you know, there's this thing called the wind, Ooh. right? You know, ah. there, you know, there's wind, it, bl- it blows ah. against you, Boom. but how do you know there's wind? You know, there's wind, not because you can see the wind, you know that there's wind because of the particulates carried in the wind. Right, you see it. You know you there's wind. It. You can see the drifting of the trees as it moves through them. Right. You feel it against your skin, but you can never really see the wind, right? Mm-hmm. The same way you can never see gravity. Like we know right. there's gravity, but we can witness gravity uh, only through its effects, right? It's very, you, no one's ever going to see what gravity, there's no- Gravity is, death is the effect of gravity. You're not going to witness gravity or, or just, you know, the thing that's holding us to these chairs right, right now. So there is this thing we know, it's called gravity, Right. And the same is true for time. Mm-hmm. You're never going to see the the passage of time outside of the way that the certain particulates move. So, right. in the, so in the same way, here we have this concept of the evolutionary tendency, uh, and uh, you could say that technology is to the evolutionary tendency what a sail is to wind, and so. Right. Uh, so what what you've te- done here is you've taken you just tethered it. You've tethered it. You've, right. you've you've. you've or I I say sometimes that it's like throwing paint on the invisible man. <laughs> you have yeah. you have. But the paint in this case is a super advanced um, processor right. that is is because it, you because a modular processing system that is so advanced that it's able to actually uh, become a container within which it can map the the, simulation that we're currently living in right now. Yes. Because that's what we, you know, we're just, we are living in this simulation right now. It's pretty cool to fucking think about no, that. I, that is a, I think uh, there is a lot to be said for that. It's got to be. Because after reading more about that, um, that experiment with the helium, helium atoms where they showed that uh, expectations can influence outcome regardless of time. Like after, I, I thought about that so much, like for weeks and now weeks. Now that has been, I've had that explained to me by yeah. some wonderful skeptics. You did? Yeah. And okay. I want to hear this. Cause I don't, cause I mean, so it's not so much that it's so the idea is that when you're dealing with things at the quantum level, mm-hmm. the tool of measurement must affect the thing being measured. So if right. I take a, if I'm measuring, I, don't, I mean, I'm going to ruin this. It's for so hard years. to explain. It's, it's really I don't difficult. I think it's that hard to explain. I, I feel th- like I can't put it into words. So I it's like, uh, it's like, it. okay, here, let's imagine that there is, on the floor right now, uh, six million bouncy balls, right? right? And the the way that I'm trying to measure these bouncy balls, no, that's not the right <laughs> way. It's almost like, okay, or, or imagine if it's like, there's like, uh, you're measuring, uh, it's like you're, you're measuring something so small, like powder. 
right? Right. Your breath or, or any kind of fluctuation Can influence is going to influence it. So I think it's more, that's more what there's, I think we, when we hear that, we want to, and I certainly went into a deep hippie, new age, secret level manifestation idea of like, see, there it is. Our thoughts are shaping the result. But it right. seems more that it's somehow the tool of measurement is the thing that's impacting the result. So they're saying they're calling bullshit on it, basically? They're not calling bullshit. It's just something that like people who aren't scientists don't understand because it's a it's it's a it's, uh, yeah, it's high a different language. science. It's a different language. You gotta go to it's a kind of thing where maybe you need to go to a university <laughs> to because the idea is it's like, okay, if 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 the the, the hope here right. is if I will a thing into being it will therefore come into being through the powers of my mind minus right. me externally shifting phenomena and that's the dream mm -hmm. of uh of magic and and i think that is true except that the shift that you're creating in the matter of the universe with your mind is the shift in the frequency of your body which then it creates ch you change not the thing you're thinking and changes. from your change the universe around you will conform to that change and you mm -hmm. can get very specific about the changes that you want to make but you could make the case that you know where do you draw the, there's no line because one thing changes the other things changes it's all about your viewpoint to be to what the, what thing is actually changing and basically you can't really have a viewpoint without being uh subjective and then once you're subjective like that that's uh well what can you change that's the big question right so, so i so if i if so when i was a kid not even a kid i mean <laughs> i think in my 20s i probably tried this even now from time to time i will sit and think can i move that straw with my mind right and i'll stare at the straw and i'll try to move it with my mind and i've never been able to now uh a lot of people what they will do is they will spend their entire lives doing variations of the experiment right. of trying to move a straw with their mind. And they'll fail at that experiment over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And, it, and, and the reason they want to move the straw with their minds is because no one's ever been able to do that. Right. For some reason... They skip what you can change, which is you can. Right. You can. <laughs> That's such a, such a joke. <laughs> start working out. Start exercising. Start eating right. Start, yeah. start reading good information. Start altering your behavior patterns. Cause you can't, they're easy to change. Th start there. Right. And then when you start there, who knows? Perhaps after you've mastered your body, mastered your thoughts, mastered your ability to focus, mastered your ability to do whatever art or craft or, or work that you're engaged in. Then you can move up to that high technology. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. And maybe not. Maybe not. And maybe it's just I also maybe it's just the human technology is not there yet. Because I look at meditation as technology. I realize well, that's what it is. Meditation is just absolutely it's just technology. I'm a computer. Sometimes I got to reboot. When you reboot, the computer works better. Yeah, and it's all it is. It's just a type of technology that I get that I get to Damn use. Damn right. And maybe there's some technology that will happen eventually. That maybe is some sort of a a hybrid, like a silicone carbon hybrid that allows you to. Oh, because if we look we look at space right now. Like there's air between all the things around us, but there's this is filled. This this whole area is filled. There's no. There's no, uh, there's no emptiness at all. This whole area is filled with stuff. We can just, the way our cameras in our particular 
body set works is we can see through this matter than the air because of the way our lenses are tuned, you know? That's but right. There's all this. There's, we're covered in shit. We're covered in we're there's no billions and billions of there's, there's no, no vacuum. There ain't no nothing. Right. And now the um the 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 uh, I, the idea is so prior to the invention of the combustion engine, mm-hmm. there was always the potential for there to be a combustion engine. So for 13.6 billion years, or, or 13.6, almost 13.6 billion years, up until the point of the invention of the combustion engine, existing within the some here, some completely undiscovered aspect of the universe, mm-hmm. there was encoded within the universe the potential for there to be a combustion engine. Right. And in the same way, there was encoded into the potential of the universe or into the fabric of the universe, the potential for there to be a Johnny Pemberton and the potential for there to be a Duncan Trussell. Everything. Everything. So in that same way, there is theoretically within every single quantum pixel of reality, the potential encoded within that for there to be anything that could be. Some things have not come into being Mm -hmm. yet. At least in this sector of the universe. This bandwidth, yeah. This bandwidth, they <laughs> haven't come into being yet. They haven't grown out of the soil of right. potentiality yet, but they can grow. So in that way, that means that with, within anything that you could think of, you know, the ability to move a straw with your mind, for example, it will grow. And, and it's interesting, like, you know, just you could do little thought experiments with yourself. Mm-hmm. You could think, okay, if somebody, said to me, here's unlimited resources. Can you figure out a way to uh, create telekinesis mm-hmm. with a human mind? You would probably figure out a way to do it. You would, you would, you would, you would at least come up with a theory. You like right. right off the top of my head, I would say, okay, well, maybe if I had some kind of neural prosthesis right. that somehow was able to create, uh, vacuum a quantum field or some yeah, shit. yeah some kind of magnetic field but it's got to deal with plastic so it's like well i know that if i push the straw with my finger it's gonna move and i know if i blow the straw uh it's gonna move so if the if the if the a if there's all this air floating around air currents you move that air then, but if i could change the heat yeah. Uh, to create some kind of wind around the straw, then maybe there could be a little shift, which right. means I need some kind of like way to like generate heat with my eyes. A, a and brain laser. A brain. You need a you, brain laser. You get once we get these brain lasers working, man. <laughs> so you know it yeah. is the potential is there. It's just we're, we haven't gotten to the point yet. But this is this gets in, and I'm sure I said this before. This is one of my favorite stories about this guy. Uh, Terrence McKenna tells this story in relation to psychedelics. The the great argument being you can get to the place that you get to the, the, you can get to the psychedelic mindset through meditation, right? Yeah. Oh, I I mean, it happens, happens to me twice a day sometimes. So, so McKenna being a a huge psychonaut, psychedelic advocate and somebody who has seemed to be uh, quite skeptical when it came to, uh, the meditative path. I don't. He know. did. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, a little bit, man. Like, okay. I don't know. I don't know. Hold on. He was. He, they, he had a. And, and for someone who was completely comfortable talking about self-transforming machine elves in the DMT realm, right. And witnessing vast machines floating in the orbits of alien planets that oh. he would envision through the those heroic doses. Yeah. yeah. He was actually had a little bit of a skeptical streak in him. Really? What did he say? He said that. 
when it comes to meditation, he, he, the story that he tells, and many people tell this story, not just McKenna. Okay. He said there's a man who was studying with a meditation teacher. Right. And his he, he went off into the woods. He had a guru, and he went off into the woods to try to develop cities. That's the fancy word for special powers that you can develop okay. through a practice. And not all of them are fabulous. I mean, it's like I, when you look at an incredible guitarist, right. you're looking at a city. You're looking at a, a developed tactic. Something. A, some, yeah. An incredible a thing. Warrior. It's magical. So this guy goes off in the woods. And for 20 years, he meditates until he finally gains the ability to walk on water. Uh-huh. And he comes back to his master and he says, Master... For 20 years I meditated, and behold, and he walks on water in front of his master. And the master's like, all right, the nickel or the fairy costs a nickel. So the point is like, you spent fucking 20 years doing something you could do for a fucking, for nothing. Right, exactly. Yeah, I remember hearing this quote like a long time ago and thinking about that. Yeah, because psychedelics are the nickel. It's the, it's psychedelics are the fairy. Right. Right. Yeah, that's what McKinnon said. Now. That being said, as right. someone who's gone into a float tank multiple times since I got one, right. completely stone cold sober and experienced some of the most profound, psychedelic, oh, crazy experiences of my life, Ooh. minus any input from me. In fact, in that fucking tank, I've noticed that at least cannabis seems to, for me, inhibit it, inhibit it or get in the right. way of the thing. It clouds the water a bit. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so from, from that POV, it's like, well, I don't know, man. I mean, there, it, we're looking at, it's like which place you want to tune into, I yeah. guess, really. It's tough. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 cause, cause it's gotta be all the same thing, I think, in some sense, or where you're, whatever you're tapping into, like the idea of going, in TM, they talk about going deep, like you're going, you're transcending into the depth of some area that's like, it's like, it's like a, it's both here and there. It's this, it's dual, it's a dual world. So you're, you're aware, but you're also in this place of, you're basically in a dream state and all these things happen to you and you feel like, um, I mean, I've had the most, the most, definitely the most intense psychedelic things I've ever had happen were through meditation because stuff where yeah, like something is talking to me and I don't, I'm not ready for, I don't know what's coming. I'm not hearing it. I'm not able to manipulate it. There's just, this is a face I've never seen before and it's speaking to me. There's a sound I've never heard before. Yeah. There's things that I can't happen. I can't describe. It's impossible for words to describe because words, language is such a rudimentary uh, way to describe things that, that have happened just in like this sober state of meditation. It's like a but- monkey going into an air traffic control tower. It's like- <laughs> And going, trying to describe it to Uh, the other monkeys. That's a great. That's a great description. He's only going to be able to describe it based on bananas, bananas and shit, and logs and fleas. Yeah, like how do you? Yeah, how do you do it? Yeah, because when you get to when you when you're when you're invited into that place, oh, it's nuts. It's nuts, and 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 you're and it's familiar, and that's the other aspect of it. There's a familiarity in that fucking. You know, I talked about this on the podcast at least this week, but I went to that tank, right? float tank for about two hours i'm laying there and i it it must be just all of a sudden there's a sense of this presence in Mm. there with me there's something in there with me a very it's not not a dark presence it's bad they very good vibes right but it's like 
in the way that like mushrooms can talk to you or it's not a voice, right. but it's a compulsion or a kind of deep, quiet a sense. A sense. It's yeah. saying your uh your heart chakra. It's like my in my chest, it's pointing out an energy blockage in right. my chest. It's saying, Well, see there, you see you're blocked there. Oh. And then it's saying, Well, just breathe into that. Like watch what happens when you breathe into it. Now what's interesting about this moment, mm. completely sober, experiencing this. I can feel the mood of the, this thing communicating with me, this disembodied whatever it may right. be, even though I, it could just be some deeper part of myself, higher self. You call it everyone. I don't care. Right. But in this moment, it's a thing. It's grandpa. It's grand. Call, <laughs> call it grandpa Dave. Grandpa but it, Dave. But it told me its name weirdly. Oh, okay. So, but the, but it's like, but you could feel its mood. Uh-huh. And the mood is the mood of a thing that is really excited. And kind of happy to get a chance to have this little chat with you. And it's like, just breathe. Watch what happens when you just breathe into that place. Right. So I start breathing into that spot. And as I'm breathing in, it feels like my body is suddenly being stretched. Like my entire body in that tank is now like just wow. going. Yeah. And that was too much. And then I sat up in the tank and was like, what the fuck? Yeah. What the fuck? And got out of the tank and, and went and bothered Cora. Like, I, there was an angel in the tank. And it was crazy. Yeah. But but that's no psychedelics. Right. It's completely sober. Yeah. Yeah. So what what who knows what that is or why it is or how it happens or, or what yeah. it is. You can come up with any system of language that you want to describe it from Freudian psychology right. to the mental illness to new age metaphysical stuff to uh, whatever it is you want it, to Satanism to demon encounters to you can there's a million ways you can describe it. But all you can do for your own self is acknowledge that it happened and then see if you can reproduce the experiment. Yeah. And just remember it. Just, that's the thing. Sometimes I find it actually works is I think about if I've had an experience like that or I'm in a moment, I've, I'm feeling enlightened. Like for whatever reason, sometimes I'll look at a, like a big ficus tree, right? And when the wind blows through a ficus, this weird stuff happens where it's like you look at it and it's so chaotic. It's hard to even look at it because it's, it's moving in all these different ways at the same time. And I, I, I think something happened like one time I was looking at this ficus tree, this big ficus tree in the wind. And it was so, so chaotic. I was like, this is, there's something so complicated about what I'm looking at that it basically was like, oh, this is math. This is the universe. Is this right. incredibly complicated thing that's no one's looking at but me at that time. It's just this random event that's of, comp- of infinite complexity. And it's like this quick moment of enlightenment, of transcendence. Sometimes I'm able to, like if I'm freaking out about something or if I'm just in a, I'm over attending my emotions and feeling negative, I can, you can kind of, if you can, if you really sit in those moments when you feel that transcendence, you really sit in it and be like, okay, what does this feel like? Uh, look, you know, look around you and be like, okay, I feel, this is how I feel right now. This is, this is, these are the, these are the little anchor points to this feeling. If you can remember those anchor points sometimes to those transcendent moments, you can kind of uh, recall them or sort of like conjure them up again right. if you need to kind of get a little a little hit, a little spike. That's because right. Because it's this thing where, yeah, cause sometimes you get that abyss staring back and it's hard to it's hard to pull out of the dive. Yes. I love the abyss though. And you learn to yeah. love the abyss. The abyss is so alive. That's yeah. actually, I have a, I read about this wonderful um, uh, term uh, for the abyss. What is it? Super luminous gloom. Super luminous gloom. 
Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. The that gr- makes sense. Yeah. Super luminous gloom. The great, this is in uh, Huxley's The Perennial Philosophy, which is a great book. Okay. Check it out. You'll love it. But it's like, yeah, because in the tank, uh, you get, you know, you get to stare into the darkness. Right. And you get That's to- That's okay. You see that the darkness is filled with life and you begin to see right. that you're, what you're actually, what we call darkness is just pure potentiality. Right. And so you're witnessing this vibrant, energetic, beautiful field of life, what mm. you really are, in fact, and, and, and it's alive. And then when you begin to realize like, oh my God, the, the precursor to all things is itself a million times more vibrant than the thing that grows upon it or is projected upon it. Right. The screen is alive. It's like when you begin to realize the screen itself is the uh-huh. flesh of God and, and then you start seeing that and then you can experiment with the your interaction with that right. it's kind of this juicy obsidian deep beautiful blackness that mm-hmm. is somehow the most relieving narcotic sweet balm that you could ever imagine because your poor neural processing units called your eyes and ears and mouth are always have or maybe not so much your mouth but your eyes and your ears and your and your and your uh the the as the parts of your brain that are responsible for balancing. Once you take the burden off those poor babies, yeah, they can relax, oh. and you can tap into the thing that's uh, that they're on guard against. Yeah, and you haven't been able to fu- you haven't been able to experience that level of a neurological vacation since you've been floating in the womb, right? Yeah, neurological vacation that makes sense because that's the thing that they talk about with, with TM as well is that how. You'll encounter things that are disturbing or really hard to think about or um, yes, just you dark, but it's okay because they're, it's like, a, it's like you're on a train and you're just passing through mm. and you're observing them. Love it. And they're just, it's okay because you're in this, you're in this safe zone. It's like being in a haunted house. It's scary, but you're not going to die because it's just a haunted house. Weather patterns, baby. Yeah. You're just looking at clouds and some of those clouds yeah. look a lot like Ooh. you being an asshole to your mom when you yeah. were 14. You didn't have to be. Or a lot of those clouds just are very poignant memories. Or a lot of those clouds are just kind of strange Mem- vivid memories of the cafeteria that you used to yeah. eat in, in the third grade or like all these strange the memory stuff is that to me is the most bizarre aspect of meditation is that like where the fuck does that come the th- these things just shoot in out of nowhere and you're instantly you're right there all of a sudden and I haven't there's things I haven't thought about and maybe we'll never think about ever again but they that to me is that yeah I don't quite you understand you can't sweep it's it under weird, the rug yeah. That's what I've learned. You can't sweep it under the rug. And if you think you have, you haven't. No. Nope. Because I've, uh, you know, like one of the things that came to me in the tank. Uh, oh. <laughs> things that came to me in the tank. <laughs> it, it was like, actually, there's a great book by John Lilly, the, one of the architects, the, the creator of the float tank, called, okay. called Tanks for the Memories. <laughs> oh, my God. It's such a great pun for something so serious. Yeah. Wait, but uh, one of the things that came to me in there was... um I'm laying in the damn thing, and you learn to use the tank. You learn to use that technology. Yeah, you become accustomed to it. But as you're learning to use it, one of the things you're going to deal with is a lot of memories that come in. And one of those memories was Daytona Beach, Florida. Mm-hmm. I think I'm 13, 14. We were staying there for the summer. I'm going to. T- I, I haven't. I'm actually still mortified by this, but maybe by confessing to you, there'll be some redemption that right. comes from it. 14 or 15. And uh, we're driving away 
we go visit my dad there in the summer. We're driving away. I don't Maybe I was 13. I was probably 13. It might have been 13. So driving maybe back actually, to actually Maybe a little younger than that. I, I Somewhere between 12 and 14. We're driving away. Driving back up Driving north. back home. Right. Going, I don't know. Yeah, we're going back home. So this came to me in the tank. This girl, I guess, who had lived lived in the apartment subdivision or was like around there, came up to the car. With your dad in the same apartment? Yes. I'm sitting with my brother. She came up to the car and she said to me something nice. Like, I have a crush on you. Or I think you're cute. And I said to her something like, get out of here, fatty. The meanest, cruelest, shittiest thing you could say to try to impress my brother. Yeah. Because I wanted him to think I was tough or who knows why I did. I was being a little shit bully. Fucking. He's older. Yeah. Yeah. But it was so wrong. Yeah, it's bad. So bad. So cruel. So bad. It's the kind of thing that sticks in a person for the rest of their lives, maybe. Not to overemphasize my impact on another human being. But that's the kind of thing that's, you know, if a person gets enough of those reactions from expressing love, it might darken them a little bit into the world. Now, there was no precursor malice to the event. It wasn't like I was like, I'm going to be mean. I just chose in that moment to be as cruel as I possibly could. So I'm laying in the tank. This is a thing completely swept under the rug. Uh-huh. And it com- that's one of the first things that comes back to me with the most vivid clarity You're as right though there. I was sitting right there. Mm-hmm. And, and in the tank, I'm laying there and the, just the sweetest remorse, you know, this like, it's, right. I call it sweet because it's so alive. This like rush of like, Oh, fuck in this sense of like wanting to cry in the tank and you're just like oh god i'm sorry i'm so sorry that's what it does for you man and i think that those moments of processing that and coming to terms with it and what the repentance is what they call it just like to the fucking grinder yeah grinds it down and to make it something where it's it makes it like i'm not palatable but it creates this thing where it takes it outside of the the moment it takes it in a place that's that's safe and it makes it uh it grinds it down it's like it's like when they take off um a bunch of weapons and they take them out a couple miles out and they burn them all in this big fucking pit yeah they burn that shit off it's safe out there no one's gonna get hurt but it exhausts the energy it dissipates the energy energy of that that event yeah that's never been dissipated you gotta pay the price and this is why scientology is making a comeback (laughs) (laughs) well you know i I do think though that it's like you've got like they say that when you die you as as you're dying right I just actually, I, I did a great podcast with Dr. Drew and he was talking about the temporal distortion that happens in moments when you're about to die. Right. And he was talking about how he like when he was climbing, rock climbing when he was a kid and he almost fell backwards off a cliff. Right. And, and, and he, he fell and he had like two seconds to push off to grab the ledge or he would have died. Right. And how in that moment time stops and he's, it's as though your entire life becomes like a tiny pinhole mm-hmm. everything is this in the circumference of that moment all of every everything you've done right. everything you've thought everything you've said at that moment it's just this tiny little dot that you're gazing at from the pov of everything right. and they say that when you die as you're dying 
that what's called the life review happens mm-hmm. where you go through everyone you've hurt, yeah. everyone you've disappointed, everyone you've loved, everyone you've helped, everything that you've done. You have like a Scrooge moment. Yeah, have a little Christmas carol thing. Yeah, and I think that in Buddhism they say if you if you can't deal with that now while you're healthy and your body's not right. sick, how the fuck do you think you're going to deal with it in the terrifying last few moments of your final exhalations? Yeah. So now's the time to work on that shit, you know? So the last few seconds will just be this massive mounting orgasm where yes. you'll just be like, like, wait, wait, he, he won't stop coming. Yeah. We can't, we can't. <laughs> <sighs> He'll flood a hospital with jizz. Uh, <laughs> you get this beautiful. Uh, uh, and it's just like a like glowing gelatin just flows out of all your pores and soaks jizz, the jizz, baby. <laughs> Pearl Jam. Oh, hell, Pearl. That's what Pearl Jam means, doesn't it? I'm gonna guess. I think it does. The fucking bastards. Well, well, well. I would like well, to very quickly uh, say that I am, um, uh, guys. Uh, I just want to. Can I plug something real quick? Sure, guys. A lot of. Do you want me to fo- plug it for you? No, I, I would rather okay. plug it because I don't know if you'll both do a good job. A lot oh, of. Yeah, pe- I might do I've, oh, I got to say this just right. <laughs> uh, now, a lot of um, a lot of uh, people out there are having really bad drug experiences because they're not getting high quality drugs. Okay. I just want to let everyone know I'm offering a service where I will test your drugs. Oh, this is oh, this is great. Yeah, I know about this. Yeah. Uh, I can't test. Under uh, like eight ball levels of stuff, so I will need a, a high quantity. Yeah, of, because if you test it a small amount, it might be inconsistent. That's yeah, exactly right. You have right. to have the, a larger amount to draw from a large sample source. It's called. So yeah, please check out my website. I will test your drugs for free. Mm-hmm. Dot org. A stupid joke. I don't know. I'm working on a dumb joke. Uh, guy, the, the announcement is we're going on fucking tour. Quink, quink,
Zealand for one for one, show. one show. Go to go to go to If you're not if you're not Australia, 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 you should go. You should go. You, should go. you know there's a, you lot, know, there's a lot of people there, and they already 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 know. They're gonna go. We we are gonna make. We were going to do a comedy show, but we decided that instead of that, we were going to fuck on stage for an hour and a half. Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. <laughs> the NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.